It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified, right here on the home of it, the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for Lax Class 177. I'm Jake Elliott. My co-host is Brad Challoner, and we got a loaded program here for you on EP 177. Thanks for joining us, uh, Bradley. It's only been a few hours it seems like since we've seen each other but it's a monday and uh i'm still a foggy i don't know about you but uh how's it going how was the rest of your weekend after uh a fun couple of days downtown yeah man friday night vancouver warriors san diego seals you and i got to call that one and after the toronto rock game vancouver game that we called together a couple weeks ago this was Hated just night and day. like yeah. it's, it's always tough to call a home floor blowout call it what it is so much better when games are tight and to come right down to the wire and and have that game end the way that it did and we'll dive more into that in a couple minutes but fun to get back into rogers arena they had a um a post-game concert we talked about last week aaron prechette took the floor at rogers arena after the game so did like a two thousand fans it seemed yeah i was i was trying to like jumble up in my mind, okay, there's a hundred people. There's a hundred people. There's hundred. There's probably like fake, like a full Commodore ballroom. It was good. Which is about twelve, fifteen hundred people on the floor for a thirty-minute Aaron Prochet concert, and Gino they served the beer crowd, right man. up until the time he took the stage. I was wondering how that was going to go because usually they cut it off like at the end of the third quarter. And yeah, there's a lot of Vancouver Canucks hanging around. There was a stagette on the floor like yeah. your stag at is the Vancouver Warriors game, and then the Aaron Prochet show. Okay, yeah, like that's awesome. Get but, after it. I just get after yeah, it. And we'll talk. People we're we'll, getting after it. Yeah, we will talk more about uh, the Vancouver game here in mere minutes. So I want to get this in. Uh, we have two great guests coming up on the program as well. The bus Logan Shuss will join us in quarter number two. Of course, Logie hit a, a couple of significant milestones over the last couple of weeks and was real intru- instrumental in that victory. So Logan will join us in quarter two. Head coach and general manager of the Philadelphia Wings, who. Got back in the win column this weekend. Paul Day, one of our favorites, will join the podcast in quarter three. Lax class locks and who you got. Thought week 17 was tough, people. Buckle up for week 18. This is nuts. Like, absolutely nuts, these games coming up this weekend. Coin might get a workout. Week 18, who you got in Lax class locks in quarter four. And week that was who we had here in week number one. There's other things uh, I need to discuss here before we get into the week that was, Brad. And, I mean, first and foremost, maybe Will Smith giving Chris Rock a slap at the Oscars last night. I... Honestly, I've never been like super enthralled and fascinated with celebrities, and I don't really understand why Joe Public gets so enamored with them. But this caught the attention of the entire continent last night. Will Smith taking a swing at Chris Rock for an off-color joke about his wife. Would you like to weigh in on where you come out? Was he was Will in the right? Was Chris in the wrong? Like what? What do you what do you say? 
Well, that, that looked like you smacking me during a broadcast <laughs> once in a while, catching me off guard. I think a couple of things. Chris Rock handled it like an absolute champ. Yeah. Like super professional. Just the show must go on. Soak the slap too. Like just soak the didn't even touch his face. The slap. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of made a joke about it and then transitioned into what he was there to do. And that was hand out an award for a documentary short or whatever it was. Not easy. So I like that. I don't know, man. Like Will Smith over the years, like there's a lot of speculation and a lot written about the Will Smith and, and the personal life of, you're of getting Will deep and Jada. Like, you're getting... like they well, you wanted my you okay. wanted my take. Okay. He's been Will Smith is a character. Like, and there's a lot. I'm not, I don't want to speculate anything here, but you can read articles about his personal life and his religious beliefs and, and how he raises his family and, yeah. and how he treats his wife. And I think they've got an open marriage. And like there's just a lot of stuff written about him. And I imagine there he is on the Oscar stage, about to have the biggest night of his life and win his first Oscar after being nominated a couple of times and just full of emotions. And then someone shits on your wife in front of you and he just kind of handled it poorly in an old school way. I mean, he originally chuckled at it and then I think got the death stare from Jada and then was like, and then snapped, snapped on live, on live television. Like he doesn't even swear in his music, Brad. Like he never. No, that was like the first Will Smith f bomb on record. And I know, but I think it was just. And then you heard his rambling speech that kind of went all over the place. And you know, to me, it just looks like a guy who kind of was at his brink and just at the emotional breaking point. And at least he went over. It was kind of weird to see. I think (laughs) Chris Rock probably understands that. It's comedy, though, man. Like no one went after Amy Schumer. No one went after Ricky Gervais and all the jokes he made like that's what comedians do so yeah. i do think that was a, yeah. a a poor reaction to someone trying to make a joke um but it you know he just won an oscar it should have been the biggest night of his life and now all anybody's uh, ever going to remember is is the slap heard around the world <laughs> the five minute speech bawling his eyes it was a little my this is why i don't even watch like i uh, the only reason i turned it on is because of twitter and and got to see that so Anyways, enough about the Oscars. Shout out to our Canadian men's soccer team, Brad, who have qualified for the World Cup since the first time since 1986. I've never been a big soccer guy, and mostly because of the, you know, you get a kick in the shin and you roll down like you need life-ending surgery or something, and I I just have a hard time respecting that, that kind of culture. But with that being said, this is pretty exciting stuff for our country. We're going to Qatar and the World Cup. And, I mean, we did all this essentially without our best player, who was one of the best on the planet. And I'm more excited for the World Cup, I think, than I've ever been in my lifetime. Where is um, – who's the kid that used to play for the Whitecaps? Alfonso Davies. He had Alfonso Co- Davies. Where he had, is he? He had COVID, and I think he's got the long haul. And oh, no. they've been in a really good position, so they haven't tried to rush him back. But he's he's mm-hmm. good, like he's doing okay, and he'll he'll be ready for Qatar. Yeah, first time in thirty something years, I think that Canada is going to have a have a men's team at the World Cup. So that's pretty special. I know I see people like Canada is a soccer nation. Twitter goes a buzz when about it. The Whitecaps always put on a good show here. Whenever there's an international event in Vancouver, Unreal I know people scenes come out there. and support. Yeah. Just yeah, amazing. you know, so that's it's it's a culmination of a lot of things like Canada soccer. If we wanted to try to spin this back into a lacrosse way, they've taken their grassroots program, and from the time kids are five, six, seven years old, 
they are they're regimenting them in a way that's setting them up for for success. There's club programs and there's good coaching and yeah, everyone's the on the is same page. And there's the- not there's not a million different rule books. Like soccer is what soccer is, and kids are having fun playing it. I coached soccer for the first time this um oh, it's the most popular sport in our country brad it's the most popular sport in our country it's North, the, in, yeah in the, and in the world and, it, and yeah. in north america as far as registration numbers for kids it's it's insane and it, it's a fun game fun yeah. game to play fun game to watch it is uh and and good on them john herdman is an absolute wizard and in the future is bright for a long time we're one of the youngest teams heading there as well so exciting stuff there something that Got the lacrosse world a buzz just before we get into to week 17 here is the news coming out of the PLL. They are restricting players from playing in the Western Lacrosse Association and major series lacrosse. So now players are going to have to make a decision. Do you want to play in the Premier Lacrosse League or do you want to try and play for a Man Cup? And I think the decision for many will be an easier one than some Others, like for guys like Courier and Withers, who know they have a legit shot to win the Man Cup with Peterborough, are they going to make the decision? But a guy that maybe is playing for a lesser team, like I'm just going to throw a name, don't get all pissy, like a Coburg or something. Oh, how dare you? That that decision might be a little easier for them. You know what I'm saying here? So a lot of people are up in arms in this, Brad, and here is my take on this, and I think we've been on this soapbox for a long time that this is the direction that lacrosse needs to go where the professional leagues are the professional leagues. And if you are a professional lacrosse player, you're not playing in a league that is not for professionals. And the WLA and the MSL, yes, they do line the pockets of some players. Not all, but a lot. And some teams do, and some teams don't. Some players do, and some players... But it is an, quote amateur league it's semi-pro it's not a full-blown pro league and maybe this is a little bit premature for the premier lacrosse league to do i don't know if they're in a position to compensate these guys to the point where it's like yes this is worth my while but this is something that eventually the national lacrosse league is going to do that at least i hope they do Get to a point where players that play in the NLL are no longer able to play in any other league. Can you imagine an NHLer going to a summer league and just strapping it up for whatever, you know, nowhere near what they're making in in the NHL? It would never happen. And for those saying like, oh, the the championships are going to be different and this... It's still going to be the Man Cup, and it's still going to be 40 really good lacrosse players busting their ass to win the Holy Grail. Yes, some teams are going to be missing some guys off their roster, and the high, high high-end talent is not going to be there spread right across the country. I think it's upwards of like 40 guys. But the Man Cup is still going to be the Man Cup, and it's still going to be a prize that a lot of guys are going to compete for really hard and it's going to be entertaining. So as much as it sucks, this is what our sport needs to go to the next level, to take it to the full-time professional lacrosse player. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with almost everything. Well, everything everything you're saying. You're such a smart guy, Jumbo. I believe it all. I, I, I'm buying it all. Okay. But, yeah, we've been talking about it for a long time that I think for the NLL and the PLL and in our interest, the NLL to get to the next level, it is almost like 
summer ball needs to take a step back. And I think this is what that's going to do. You're going to take some of the best players out of the game, but like you said, make it a true amateur league. I'd like to see full sale overhaul. The like local maybe there's, connection there's, too, maybe there's a salary cap. Maybe you can protect five, six, seven, eight guys from your local junior team and not just one or two, um, two in the East, one in the one in the West right now. And most teams aren't even protecting, like maybe it goes back and it makes it, like you said, true amateur. And I know like the, a lot of people say, oh, it's going to hurt the pocketbooks of, of Peterborough or Victoria. And I think those examples, yeah, they might. But my opinion, you go to Burnaby or Maple Ridge or Coburg or wherever, Oakville, I, it's not business. They're not in it for the money because you're putting like a couple hundred bucks in the seats. And that's not going to change because... Zach Courier is not there. You're still going to have a really good team in Peterborough and it's going to be more competitive than ever. Every game is going to matter. Every team's going to be able to, to put something together on any given night. And people are still going to come on and watch. Like you said, lacrosse is lacrosse. Like I went to Ladner senior B pioneers yeah. games this summer and there was 500 Brad. people standing room only to see, you know, they weren't there to see the local NLLers that were playing for the Ladner Pioneers, like Robert Church. They were there because there was lacrosse happening in their own backyard and they can walk down the street and watch it. And it's still going to be top notch. So, yeah. you know, I think credit, credit the PLL for doing this. I think this is, if the schedule was overlapping with the NLL one day, you know, they should probably do, they probably would have done this too. I think it was inevitable. And the PLL just jumped in the gun because they're a very fast moving league. And they don't have to jump through all these board of governors hoops and take years dragging their heels to get anything done. Like PLL wants to make something happen. They make it happen yeah. immediately. And the NLL and no vote. Somebody's been dragging. No, vote, no, no they just it's do two it. Brothers going, Easy. let's do this, right? Let's do this. And, and listen, uh, congrats to the sea spray who just won the ALL West championship. Uh, Vancouver Warrior, Keegan Bell, part of that team. And, just the four teams alone right there can fill out the rest of the WLA rosters here just fine. Like, it's going to be okay, people. And this is what we all want. We want lacrosse to get into the mainstream and become yeah, let, part let of the professionals. The, yes. Let the professionals become the professionals. And I love the WLA, Brad. Love it. Played in it. 20 years of broadcasting it. Watched it as a kid. I still love it. I'm not going anywhere, and either either is the WLA or the Man Cup. So no, just I'm going to be there on a Thursday, and I'll be there on Thursday nights in in Queens Park Arena anytime that there's a a game happening. Um, but you're right. Let the professionals be the professionals, and and stop the convolution. I know Paul Tutka covered this good on on the Lacrosse Mag website, but it's pro lacrosse is so convoluted. This makes it less convoluted because you're not going to see Josh Byrne in the swamp in the summertime. Josh Byrne is a professional lacrosse player. And look how good he's playing because he is a full-time year-round yeah. paid professional lacrosse player that doesn't have to do anything besides Workout. yoga and taking his over his body during yeah. the week and, and playing lacrosse. And those are the kind of guys we're going to get. By the way, shout out to Paul Tucker at the Lax Mag, who was absolutely dominating the landscape as far as lacrosse websites go along with the lacrosse flash right now. Like I, That's the go-to right now, Lax Mag. Paul Tech. Yeah, and he's he's breaking stories. Paul has always did that before, but like he doesn't care about getting a trade out early or putting the Casey or uh, Kyle Jackson story out there early. Like he doesn't he doesn't give a shit about waiting for Guy's league approval on anything. The guy can just get stuff out there, and he's got deep injury reports and and players talk to him and managers talk to him and let him know stuff because he's got the power 
to get stuff out there. It's exactly what this game needs. Good stuff. Um, all right. Let's get into it here, Brad, because we got Logan Chefs coming up in about 30 minutes, and we got some games to get through, some storylines as well. And we're going to talk to Logan in quarter two, so I don't know if we should or want to spend too much time on this one. But it started Friday night, the lone game of the week on the Friday night. San Diego in town to take on Vancouver. News coming in just before game time that the Seals would be without their leading scorer, Wesley Berg, who was moved to the COVID list. Bomberry on the holdout. But Chiliano coming in as the, the top goaltender in the NLL. And Vancouver hangs a 14 spot on them. And maybe their most complete game start to finish here, Brad. A full 60 out of Vancouver. And they topped the first place Seals 14-12. Yeah, this, this was a playoff game for the Vancouver Warriors. They lose four straight. They get the first-place team in the West, a team they've already beaten. They're without Westburg, so they're kind of ripe for the picking. And Vancouver plays against San Diego really well. There's been lots of one-goal games. I know San Diego was undefeated heading into Rogers Arena before that, but there was an overtime win. And well, these are two West Coast rivals that Trey LeClaire said it in the post-game, or in the pregame show to Chantel Shan. We don't like them and they don't like us. And it looked like that. It was a, it was really chippy from sort of start to finish. There was lots of off ball slashing and hacking and whacking and beaking. Like we were, we were shooting an in-house video. about I don't know, that's at, at an hour before game time when the first warmup were happening. Yeah. Mitch Jones and Josh Anderson chirping each other from the benches an hour before game time when the guys were just out there stretching, like it had some vitriol from the start. And it, the game was like that too. It was a good old fashioned slug fest. There was no, no runs greater than three by either time, uh, either team. Everything was being stopped. Um, so no team was running away with it. It was back and forth. Wow. There was, there was very little power play action. There was very little transition action. Everything was just coming five on five. And well, until the, the fourth Warriors quarter, offense, Brad, until Vancouver ran into some serious penalty trouble, McIntosh took a couple. Barker took a five in yeah. a real crucial and spot. With, exactly. So the game's tied 12-12, and Owen Barker takes a five-minute major for running that. I think it was Austin, that was the Austin Stotts yeah. hit where he, <laughs> he slid slid over and just blew him up old school. Like Stotts' bucket pops off. and So he gets five, and I think for Vancouver, it's like, oh, my God, are you going to piss away another game? Here we go again. Deja vu. And credit their penalty. Well, right away, Adam Charlambides comes out and scores a shorthanded goal. Best seconds game of later. his pro career, I would say. And that's his. That's his. That's the game winner. And then they kill off a five-minute major in the fourth quarter of a tie lacrosse game. So credit. You know, I can't make. A, I, I got to pick one guy for Stampede Stallion of the week, but the Vancouver Warriors penalty kill that came into the game first overall, and I think has left the left the game first overall as well. That was the biggest kill of their season. That was their season saving penalty kill yep. right there is now they're right back in the mix and trying to gain ground on that third spot. By the way, another 16 loose balls for rebound. <laughs> so he might be back on pace now for oh, the record. Cause he, he was on, he was, he was trailing. He was on pace for two Oh seven. The yeah. record is two thirteen. I think after that game, he's back to chasing down the Brody's record. Let's, uh, bundle these two games up because it was a home and home series with the Buffalo Bandits and the Halifax Thunderbirds and these two games 
eerily similar, Brad. Both of them finish 16-11 bandits. Uh, Buffalo is a rolling, and I don't know if there's a team in this league that can stop them. They can't hang with any. They No one's hanging with them right now. 12-1, and one, their only loss coming to... The Toronto Rock way back then, they're on a six game. No, they're on a, yeah, they're on a six game winning streak. And I, I think I said it last week, like the way the Th- Thunderbirds dropped four in a row now, they were eight and one. They're now, they're now eight and five. And everybody was circling this home and home matchup yeah. to figure out who was going to be the class of the East. And it was by far the Buffalo Bandits. And it's- Halifax hung with them a little bit. They started chipping away in that second game, but Matt Vince is just too electric. Dane Smith is just too automatic Holy. and their offense is just, they can just pull just one out whenever them. they, they just whenever they need whip to. it around, Brad. Like the ball is not in a stick longer than two seconds for anybody. And it's, it's impressive to what there's no weakness in that Buffalo team top, especially now that they've gone out and gotten Adler who was up over 50% against Withers. There's no weakness on that Buffalo team and some depth to go along with it. On the flip side it's of it, Brad, there's there's scary. there's some issues no. in Halifax here with four straight losses. You think about it, you know, they acquire Evans, they trade LeBlanc, they cut Kyle Jackson, and now four straight losses here. And what was all rainbows and roses there in, in Halley, now there are some questions around that. Warren Hill hasn't quite looked as, as dominant as he was. So what do you make of it? What's going on in Halifax? Well, they need content for a Thunderbirds 360. So I think they're creating it for themselves right now, adding a little extra drama to, to the film and uh, that Tyson guys got his work cut out from week to week here. No, but in all honesty, I think there's, there looks to be from the outside looking in trouble in that, in that room right now, you know, to bring in a guy like Evans, who's going to command so much attention and yeah, he, uh, you, Evans can be a good teammate and be a good facilitator, but that right side has not clicked the way that they were before he got there. The Stotts or Shanks rather. And, and Peterson, they were playing really well. And those are guys that are, are confident shooters, right? They need the ball in their stick to, to become successful. So they're getting less touches. And then the lefty side has just been decimated without LeBlanc and, and he AJ. might've been and their I, and, best and, player. That, yeah, so I, my my point on him, and I'll get to in a second. I think that um, he played so well because Matt Vince hasn't seen him. Like Vince does his homework, right? And so Matt Vince knows what Cody Jamison's going to bring. He knows what Sean Evans is going to bring. He knows what Shanks is going to do. But like, how do you get a book on a six four monster who hasn't played much this year? Who's brand new to this offense and was shooting completely unpredictably. Like yeah. some of those behind the back shots and shovelers. No goalies ready for those. And you know, some of the, the power play quick sticks that he had, like he was playing really, really good. Yeah. So I do think there's, there's a bright spot there for them, but is some of this shrewd general managing this deep into a season chemistry affecting, affecting that club. Yeah. Like you're, you're 13 games, 13 games. There's still a time to, to get that chemistry and pull it together. But I think that that room and especially that offense, it hasn't, has, along they there. haven't, they haven't put the same lineup out two games in a row essentially was out. And Robinson got in. Yeah. It was all clicking there. And then they just decided to start tinkering 
and it just seemed to kind of change the whole dynamic of of that club. And we'll see how she shakes down this coming weekend. See if they can bounce back. I think they got Rochester. I'll double check that. They got Rochester. Yeah. Rochester's been the unfortunately for the Rochester Nighthawks, they've been everybody's sort of bounce back mm-hmm. team. Saskatchewan bounced back against them. Um, New York bounced back against them this or who Philly bounced back against them this weekend. Um, they're kind of like everybody's get right team. So we'll see if well, the Halifax Thunderbirds said, can get right. You could, you know, you never know in this league, so don't count your chickens. Uh, let's move along here because we got Logan coming up. Uh, Toronto hosting the Georgia Swarm in vintage Mike Poulin shows up in this game. One goal in the first quarter, one goal in the fourth quarter, one goal in the second quarter for a Toronto Rock offense that was just humming. And Georgia just snuffs it right out here. 10-6. The swarm on the road. And we talked about it right here on the pod, Brad. I said if Mike, if they get Mike Poulin-type goaltending that we've come to know and expect from Mike Poulin, this Georgia team, dangerous as anybody. Two games above 500 now. Four-game winning streak. No Lyle Thompson, and they still found a way to to get it done. No, now, pretty, no, and they held Dawson to just one assist. So he didn't get to set the record for, <laughs> for assists in that game. No one thought that was going to happen either. That's supposed to be automatic, yeah. but yeah, that was, that was a pretty smothering Georgia swarm. Like their defense is coming along. You, like you said, Poulin's playing unreal and Lyle Thompson goes down and they get contributions from some other areas. So that's a scary team that I wouldn't want to be getting in the way of right now. Like even if you're Buffalo, if playoffs started today, Buffalo is playing Georgia and one and done. One and done. So Buffalo, I know, I think, like, does Buffalo, is Buffalo going to need some adversity down this stretch here? Like, we've seen what happens sometimes in the playoffs in other sports when a team is, you know, 16 and two at the end of the year or something. And when they're just humming along, it's like they might need some adversity at some point because a team like Georgia in the first round of a one and done is going to be battle tested. So I'm interested to keep my eye on that. The other point on this game was, yeah, Dawson steps on the floor. He's now all alone. As, All-time as the games. league leader in, in games played. Yeah, congrats to, and, to Dan, man. What, a, yeah, what, what a, an accomplishment. What an accomplishment. Yeah. What an accomplishment. And my question delved from a, a John Abbott tweet because yeah. he pointed at, took a picture of the rafters and said, you know, this, this jersey will be hanging here one day. And I thought to myself, like, will it be? Like, where will Dan Dawson's jersey be hung up? Where do you think is, if a team does, what team should hang up Dan Dawson's number? Saskatchewan, no. Um, <laughs> Six games played. Yeah, Boston. I, I. It's Toronto or Rochester, but. But can Rochester like it's not going to hang it up in Halifax because that's where. No. So, you know, Toronto. I. His home. I think he his relationship with Jamie now and the track and everything. I. I think he'd be pretty proud to to go up in the rafters alongside. Whipper and Veltman and Doyle, like, but it's not where he did most of his damage. No, That's like, the thing. Clo- right? Close your eyes. Close your eyes right now. Okay. When I say Dan Dawson, lacrosse player, what what do you picture? Teal and purple Rochester Nighthawks. Teal That's and purple. He... Teal and purple, Brad. Not Teal and purple. green well, and black and not orange and purple. Teal and purple in Rochester is what I picture. 
that's the important part. It's also the unfortunate part because he did play his most seasons there technically in yeah. Rochester with, with six, he won two championships there. His first two championships before getting that one in SAS. So maybe well. the Rochester Nighthawks put up the throwback in the rafters at in, Blue Cross. Well, I'd, I'd love to, I think Rochester is actually one of the teams that hasn't, or the original Rochester, the Thunderbirds now, um, I don't think they have retired jerseys. I remember doing this exercise a, a few years ago, figuring out what jerseys are retired. They have a Rochester Hall of Fame, but I don't think they actually retire numbers. So maybe he just ends up in sort of the Rochester Halifax Hall of Fame. I agree. Like it'd be nice for Toronto to do, it, especially if he was able to get them a ring in the next year or two. If if he's still going, shit, Brad, like, just hey, make an MLL of all time. number six banner and just put it in every barn. The guys played every more barn. games in the league than anybody. Yeah, we need to special. move. On. So I know it, it's I, I think it's unfortunate that we may not see a team have his jersey retired, but he just played for so many clubs that are now defunct. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> tough to do. Land Sharks. No, I still picture him as a blazer. Like that's where yeah. he won his that's where he won his MVP. When you say Dan Dossamy, I see that white blazer jersey. That's fair. Those were nice jerseys, too. Philadelphia Wings have a pretty nice jersey, and they had a pretty nice game against the Rochester Nighthawks, as you mentioned. This one, uh, well, the the Wings, again, they beat a sub-500 team, but they score more than 10 goals, and pretty convincing tip the tail here for the Wings. 12-8. Yeah, I think if we're, if we're nitpicking, we'll ask Paul Day about this, but I think they went like 20 minutes. They did like a 15-20 minute stretch in that game where they didn't score in the third quarter, but fortunately for the Philadelphia Wings, they didn't need to. They were up three nothing. They were up, I think, nine two or nine three at one point. Corey Small kitty, made it look really trick. easy. Yeah. The kitty was purring. Did you see? Did you see this? Jimmer Jimmer texted or tweeted at his wife Lauren. What did you feed the the kitten before this game, Lauren? And she said, "Just the regular kibble, Jim. Just the regular <laughs> kibble." Meow mix always <laughs> delivers. Kyle Jackson looking pretty good in a Wings uniform with six points. Yeah, he he fit in one goal and five assists, and we we talked about them needing some some energy. And I think the knock, and this is the one thing we didn't mention talking about him in, in Halifax and getting released there, is that well, he wasn't doing great in that offense. No. The ball was dying in his stick, and I still think he's he's a really good lacrosse player. Maybe just needs this wake up call. And I'm sure he had a conversation with Paul Day about what they want him to do. And he did, he executed and he commanded some attention and Corey small was obviously the hot stick, but you know, he definitely moves a little quicker than, than Brett Hickey does. I know it's a different side of the floor, but there's just a little bit more movement in that offense. Now a good offense apparently beats a good defense as riptide making a couple moves and then go out and pump 15 past the Firewolves defense. The Firewolves, I cannot figure this team out for the no. life of me. Just cannot do it. Sometimes they're an offensive team. Sometimes they're a defensive team. Sometimes they're in the middle, and sometimes they look great, and sometimes they don't. Riptide 15-6 to six over Albany here, and just a four-point night for Tate, eight for Callum, but I think what has caught my attention is how much more comfortable Steve Orleman looks in goal now than he did in week three. Well, but completely I, I different. Couple him with, with Nick Damute because they were both in the same situation. They both started the season on quote unquote tandems and we're going to share the bulk of the workload. And then two young guys 
both taking the bull by the horns. And I guess if you do a grip tag, your biggest takeaway here is you can find a way to win even when Jeff Teat's not putting up eight to 10 points. I think that's really the strong thing to see here from the New York Riptide is that, you know, your MVP can have a quieter night, command attention, but then everybody else is still chipping in and you're getting 15 goals out of that offense. That, that's pretty impressive. And that's, I think that's their first win streak, Jumbo. They've won two in a row. So I think technically. It's what happens streak. when I pick him, Brad. It's what happens when I pick him, uh, you know, I send some swag Jumbo's way. You want my pick on who you got. That's, and then you get wins. That's how it works. A couple more games to go here before we get to Logan Shuss in quarter number two. And so we move to the West and a couple of nightcappers here on the Saturday. Saskatchewan, apparently Calgary is is their kryptonite here because the Roughnecks just love, or maybe it's just the Roughnecks love playing Saskatchewan this season. 3-0 and against the Rush now, but this was, I didn't see this coming. An 8-6 low-scoring game there in Saskatoon. Penny and Delbs putting on a show here. This is not what I expected, though. They go way under, and Calgary on the road. Saskatchewan knowing that they had... The rush, Brad, are 4-10. Panther City has won more games in a row than Saskatchewan has run won all season. Yeah, I, and I I picked Saskatchewan in this game. I Me thought they too. had a good chance of getting it done at home and and not being swept. Like when's the last time the Calgary the Saskatchewan Rush were swept in a season series by the Calgary Rush? It's like you're probably going back to Edmonton days because when they started putting it together in Sask, I don't think it's happened since then. And credit the Roughnecks, they're. They're a team that I don't get either. They're kind of like Albany for me. Like one week they look fantastic, and the next week they don't look great. And they have had this up and down roller coaster season, but they're still right there. They're five and seven. They've yeah. got a couple of games in hand. Three on of some their wins the against the Rush. Yeah, that's wild. Now they got Vancouver this weekend, Huge and man. just it just seems it just seems so weird to me to look at the standings and see the Rush at at four. It's <laughs> at four unbelievable. It's, it's it unreal how fast the wheels have fallen off there after. Um, after the COVID layoff. It just goes to show you, you do not know what is going to happen in a game. The last time that these two teams played, I think there was over 30 goals scored in it, 20 by Panther City. This time they only managed 10, but it's still enough to beat the Colorado Mammoth at Dickey's Arena as, dare I say it, Brad, the hottest team in the National Lacrosse League after starting out one and eight, have won five in a row, and now are six and eight as they beat the Mammoth 10-6. This team just finds ways to get it done. And look out for Panther City right now. Right? Six and eight, fourth in the West. The playoffs started tonight. They're still on the outside looking in, as Philadelphia would be your crossover team to play against the San Diego seals, but there's a long way to go. And to me, this is, this is Tracy Koleski. Yeah. And it's just been blown away watching, watching him. He's been a quote machine. Um, he just, his message, I've, I've been following his quotes and stuff and his interviews quite closely since the beginning of the season. And he has not strayed off message and off brand once. Like it's all about trust the process, bring your lunch pail um, and now that his team is is gaining some confidence of finding ways to win, they're they're looking like a really scary lacrosse team. And 
And it's a who's who of who's like it's Milligan and Farrell coming in and making a huge impact and the rookie Dodds and Malcolm and their Damn defense move. by committee and Damude stepping up and having his best game is I think he had an 888 save percentage in this one. Like he was getting peppered and only allows a handful. So some really impressive stuff happening in Panther city. And you know, they've won five in a row. Now the only team that's done that this season is the Buffalo Bandits. No other team is at a five game winning streak except for the Buffalo Bandits. And say that again, uh, say that no again. other team in the league is at a five game winning streak this season, except for the Buffalo Bandits and the Panther city lacrosse club. Let that sink in lacrosse fans. Unbelievable stuff out of Panther city and that entire organization. And I said it after Vancouver, that was the, not the first game of the five game win streak when they beat Vancouver 11, 10. I said, I'm glad the season series is Vancouver's and they don't have to see that club again this year. They might come playoff time, but I wouldn't want to be facing that team. I wouldn't want to be facing that team right now. I just wouldn't. Sorry, Halifax had a five-game winning streak from Feb 4th through March 5th. But other than that, Buffalo's had two six-game winning streaks. San Diego's had a six. Halifax had a five. Pendant City had a five. They're currently... Go with Buffalo, the only teams that have won five in a row. (laughs) So that was what I'm trying to trying to. How many games did Brandon Ranford play in the? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Uh, those were your week 17 recaps. So with those being done, it's time to hop aboard, saddle up, if you will, Bradley. We're heading for the Stampede Stables. What kind of horse? It was more like a pony. That was like a female pony right there, yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Stampede Tech in Western Wear Stables. Uh, great time down there at Rogers Arena. A lot of people looking good down at the Rog for country night. And I'm sure a lot of them stopped by Stampede Tech in Western Wear. And this is stuff you can just wear out every day in your, your everyday life here. Blundstone boots, Wrangler jeans, throwing a plaid shirt, got ball caps, beanies, toques, cowboy hats, of course. Stampede.ca, we're shopping online, still shopping local, or head out there to Cloverdale. You had the bolo tie on on Friday night. Not bad. It was Western night. It, you know, it felt, it felt good. It feels good to wear a bolo. It's Never not done as it. stuffy as a tie. It feels nice and loose. Didn't wear it to Levy's place on Saturday night, though. Or do you no, not remember that? <laughs> Holy oh, cow, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday was, uh, was, Sunday was no, rough that's for what you. I was like, you know, you mentioned the two-day hangover off the top. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday, I think I checked the Fitbit at about, <laughs> I don't know, 7 o'clock at night. I think I was under 1,000. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was I know. We, we've had some nights together, me and you, but I don't think I've ever quite seen you in that condition. That was, that was next level stuff right there. Well, the punch, it was, it was the punch the, at the end of the night. The, yeah. The who, who, who pours a two, six into punch. It was a 40, Brad. It was <laughs> a 40. <laughs> who pours a 40 into punch at one o'clock? Mrs. Levy. asking for trouble. Mrs. Levy does. And I enjoyed and quite a bit the, of it. Yeah. yeah, she was a she's an absolute treat and a gem too. What nice. a weekend! Nice man. to be at a house party, man. Like I know we need to get stallions here, but yeah, I think that was the first outside of my family house party I've been to in two years. Oh, I tell you what, it I, was... people are just happy. People are just happy to be masked off and enjoying themselves again in the company of 
of everybody and not just the same bubble people you've been with for the last two years. Yeah. No, it was Danny's, uh, Danny's birthday that weekend as well. So we actually stayed both nights downtown at, at the hotel there at the Marriott. Had a fantastic stay there. And you're right, just to be able to walk around without a mask. And then the house party, the Vancouver Warriors win. It was a fantastic weekend. Shout out to Levy, who... Man, what a spread there, too, as well. Like, he had a, a bartender, he had a photographer, he had appetizers that I had never even seen or heard of before. It was quite the quite the festive evening there, and it was a great time. So shout out to Adam and, and his lovely wife, Nikki, who, you know, didn't get a chance to celebrate their wedding or their birth of their first child or their new home. So they kind of just went all in and, and tripled down and, and put on a show there. Uh, oh, kids, Good time. All right, Brad. Uh, we got a couple minutes here for a Stampede Tack and Western Wear Stables. You go first. <laughs> I'm going with um, I'm going with the with the man rookie. I, I can't call him a kid because he's he's too old to be a kid. But Adam Charlotte Beaties. Yeah. Gets the game win second game winning goal against the San Diego Seals. By the way, as he hit that buzzer beater or really late goal uh, in Week One against the San Diego Seals. But here he is short-handed shot sidearm from deep. Like he was just running onto the floor, sort of just sort of sauntering on getting into position. I don't think anybody knew that that was going to be a shot. And then to end up where it did like sidearm on the, almost on the righty side of the floor, like bad angle to come back short side, sting it high off Shiliano. It was a real wicked shot. And that wasn't his only goal that game. He got another one earlier. Driving to the rack. with Driving to the rack really hard and going far side and burying. And then like running over the glass and banging on, banging on the glass where all the people were standing there with their cowboy hats on, drinking their beer. And I said it on the broadcast. It was like the monkey off the back goal, because that's how you go confidently to goal. And now that those balls are starting to fall for him, I think that's the confidence that Charlotte Beatty's, has needed the kids stung a lot of posts and he's been a little bit snake bitten turning point he's done a lot of good stuff off the ball but i think this was the game that he needs now to take this into the spot well, something the there with martell too i think brad you know mcbride didn't get in the lineup ryan martell did scored a goal but i think he like he looked like there was something there between him and charlotte Beatty. so yeah, well, he's he's a crasher banger. We'll ask Logan Schuss about that in, in a couple of minutes. How that's shaping up, but yeah, he he's not afraid of punishment. So if 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 Martel is the one taking the beating and Charlotte Beatties is the one getting open, good things are going to happen. Who, nope. Who's your stallion? I'm going to do this real quick. It's Matt Vince who stopped like 618 shots over the course of two games. This guy is unbelievable, Brad. I. He's the best to ever do it, and he's looking like he is playing better goal than I've ever seen before at, what is he, 44? Third, no, he's 39. He's 39. Well, he's going to play until he's 49. I know there. that. He'll be here till he's, yeah, he's not going anywhere. And, like, the post-game interview, you just see, like, the the veins and the muscle in his neck bulging. Mix in a cheeseburger, Vino, please. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have to. He's playing unreal, and he's helping the Bandits look unstoppable. You know, my one of my favorite things about watching the Bandits is, is – is the dissection of the goals every time. Like it's always Priolo and Vince staring up at the Jumbotron, dissecting every single goal that happens. It's a very iconic shot. Like I think someone needs to paint a picture or get that framed someday of Priolo and Vino looking up because they've got a great, they've got a great connection. They've got a great chemistry and 
yeah, nothing's getting in the way of Buffalo right now. He'll be a coach in this league. Uh, welcome to the stable this week, fellas. Adam Charlambides and Matt Vance, you are this week's Stampede Stallions of the Week. Number 18 in your Vancouver Warriors program is on the other side. Logan Schuss, quarter two, EP 177. Back after this. Hey, this is the voice of the Saskatchewan Rush, Cody Jansen. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class as we move into quarter number two. And here in quarter two, we want to talk about Rycor construction quickly. And uh, a little foreshadowing here, Brad. Rycor is going to get mentioned again in quarter number four. But right now here at www.rycorconstruction.ca, family-owned operating here in the Lower Mainland, all residential and exterior renovations, kitchens, bathrooms, floorings, decks, fences, 15 years of experience. They make it stand out. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Rycor Construction, Inc. Now, joining the podcast, I don't know if we've had this guy on since Stealth Classified, Brad. Shame on us if that is the case, but he has eclipsed 300 assists. He has eclipsed 200 goals. He has eclipsed 500 points in the National Lacrosse League and helped his Vancouver Warriors to a big victory on Friday night. Logan Schuss on the pod. Welcome to Lax Class, Logie. How's it going? Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me on. I've been uh, waiting in the weeds a little bit here. I've been uh, patiently waiting for my invite. Uh, well, <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have, Logie. Um, Fellow Latin guy can't even get me on the pod. Right. I know, right? Let's just walk down the street, knock on the door, stick a microphone in your face next time. It'll be <laughs> a little easier. Well, we'll talk about the win and, and how it came together in a second here. But just, I know you had friends and family in the building on Fridays, as you do every week, but it's such an electric factory in there right now it like it seems that rogers arena is to me looking like one of the most fun places to watch a game from a fan's perspective what are you hearing from from granny shots and from your girlfriend and the boys in lander about their experience at the game in the, in the stands yeah you know what it's uh it's a party um talking to a few of my buddies who uh have been coming to the games who weren't lacrosse fans before and you know they're hitting me up asking me for tickets every weekend now and they're just like it's like the best place to either you know pregame to go out for the night or just have a fun night with the fellas or or whoever's joining them so they've been having a blast and i know all lacrosse fans have been uh, loving it too we've been getting a couple wins at home this year and you know um all fans love a couple wins and uh, some cheap beer people were pre-gaming game gaming post-gaming like i was walking around the concourse there after the game <laughs> Like 80, 90% of the people are just glazed over. Like they have had a time at Rogers Arena. $5 beers will will do that to you. And it, it, I'm telling you, if you haven't been yet, we're not just sitting up here blowing smoke out our ass. Like come check it out and experience it for yourself. Uh, four game losing streak prior to this, this game against San Diego. And you knew it was going to be a tough challenge, Logan, with, with, first place San Diego coming to town you get a little break with West Berg in the lineup but on the other side we're still missing, missing Mitchie so you know I'd call that a saw off right there but you got this was a real gut check for you guys especially being able to kill off a major in the fourth quarter in a, in a tie game and all the circumstance coming around it with with you know blowing a lead in Colorado like that game could have easily went the other way on you guys but you dug down and find a way to, to get it done yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's kind of been the story the last few games. We've been coming out strong. We've been getting leads. 
uh, playing very, very good lacrosse and then kind of letting it go in the, in the fourth quarter and letting teams kind of crawl back and then eventually get the win against us. So that was a focal point of our uh, team discussion this week was, you know, let's finish games. You know, we've been having a great one, two, three quarters. And a lot of guys after the game were saying, hey, that, that was probably our best 60 minutes of lacrosse we've played all year. And you got to bring it with a, a team like San Diego. They're a great team up and down the roster. And to be able to, to squeeze that win out, especially at home and especially down the stretch here, was big for us. I want to talk about the, that left side that's coming together. I think that was Adam Charlambides, maybe his best game, his second game winner. And it's again, it's against the San Diego Seals. Marty gets back in and he's crashing and banging on that lefty side too. And, and Lowen had some great chemistry going across the floor and feeding the righties this game. Um, just talk about that side without Mitch Jones there and how that unit's uh, coming together. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's been great to see guys like Char, Charlambides and, and Marty kind of, step into a different role and, and kind of be guys that we need to rely on each and every night to, to get the win. You know, I look at our offense and we, I think we have one of the most potent offenses in the league. Um, just kind of looking down the line at two, three goal games from a couple guys and, you know, guys are chipping in with assists and one game it's five goals and next game it's more on the assist count. But um, that's what I think is the recipe for a successful NLL team is just having dual threats from both sides, lefty and righty. Um, you know, obviously our big shooters are Baller and, and Kellen, but if the left side can chip in with a couple goals and even it out, I think it's going to be the success for us. And I want to ask you about Caleb, Logan, because we, we've talked to a couple of guys, and from all accounts, it's a pretty free-flowing offense. Like, I don't know how much, but you guys have executed really well coming out of timeouts, TV timeouts, when you run set plays, but... It, it almost seems on, on the flip side of that, when, when it's in-game and kind of flowing back and forth, he just kind of lets you guys go out there and play. I'm sure there's some communication on the bench, hey, let's try a slip or a double or whatever you're saying on the bench, but does he kind of just let you guys go out there and play for the most part? Yeah, he's the type of coach that, you know, he played in the league. He was one of the greatest to play, um, play our game, and, you know, he's the type of player's coach where – uh, he knows you don't need to, he doesn't need to yell at you to, you know, cut the middle set hard picks each and time you come off the floor. I think that's probably one of the best things a, a coach in the NLL can do is kind of know when to step in and know when to kind of let the boys flow and, and see what happens. He's done a great job of, like you said, in the timeouts and the and intermissions and stuff to, to reel us in and say, Hey, you know, let's go to this. This has been working. Um, you know, he's, he's got a great mind for the game. And so when he talks, everyone listens. He's intense too. Like, don't kid yourself. He can't get into you when, when you need a little smack on the butt, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, <laughs> especially at practice and stuff, you know, he's got a, his stick in his hands and he's, he's definitely letting the boys know he's still got it. He can rip it on the cage and, and for us to listen up when he's talking. Power play has been one of the elite things for you guys this season. I can't remember the last time a Vancouver team was tops in the league in power play and, and penalty kill heading into this game. But aside from, Kyle Killen stinging corners like no one else in the league right now. What's going well on that power play for you guys? I think just ball movement. I think just getting the ball hot, making sure everyone touches it, and then just trusting that each one of us, um, you know, if the play is called for us, we're going to fulfill it. Like, we're not going to go off the off the record. and We're not going to do anything that's too crazy or too out of um, out of our sorts. I think for us, um, I just tell, tell Baller, hey, make sure you pass to me first before you pass it over to Kellen so I can get, get the assist. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. It's been unreal to watch Kyle shoot it this year. But with you, Logan, you've really kind of had to elevate your game with Mitch going down, and I think you've 
you've done a really good job of that, kind of taking the lead on on that left side. All the while, yeah, I, I saw the post-game speech saying, you know, it took a little longer than I expected, which I got a good chuckle out of. But talk about your career as a whole, man. To, to hit 300 assists and 200 goals and 500 points here over the last couple of weeks has got to be pretty special to you personally. Yeah, definitely is. I think just looking at the um, – just lately, you know, the, the NLLPA has done a, a great job of, like, kind of announcing players hitting certain milestones, and mm-hmm. I've enjoyed watching – and like kind of seeing, you know, where players are at and um, players that I've been playing against for the last seven, seven, eight years. And, um, you know, impressive stats all, all the way around. And to to kind of be noticed for that is, is special to me just because it's, you know, just being a kid from Ladner and growing up, hoping to play junior A and then senior A and then NCAA and, and then now NLL and, and reaching those numbers. It's, it's, it's special to me. And I think uh, a lot of it, I, I praise like my family and my parents, you know, it's something that I like to do before every game is, is give my mom a call. And she likes to kind of just say, Hey, you know, shoot the ball tonight, you know, take your shots, get in there, mix it up, make the goalie guess. And, you know, I always get a laugh at that because my mom, she never played lacrosse, but uh, I just find it, you know, something that I like to do is call her. I don't even call my dad. And he played 45 years of lacrosse. She knows. He's like, oh, you got Frankie this weekend. Oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. She knows. Yeah, no, it's it's actually, that's what she says. I mean, I'd be hard to find someone that's watched more lacrosse than her in her, uh, in her life that's, that's never true. played the sport. So, yeah, um, yeah and, and it's also a tribute to my my teammates. You know, like I said, my post-game speech there, I got a little choked up because um, – I do recognize that I've, I haven't been scoring as much the last couple of years. I've, I've kind of turned into a bit of a feeder, but um, you know, to score some big goals down the stretch here for our team is something that I really wanted to do. And uh, I still got it. So I'm, I'm going to shoot that ball until they tell me to stop. I want to know the difference in, in the room this year than years past Logan. Like it still looks like it's a fun tight knit group, but when you need to put business on the line and, and pull out a win and feel like you're in playoff mode, it seems like this tape, this team is able to do that more so than, than rosters you've been on in the past. What's the difference in that room? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause I was talking with um, Justin Salt and it was like the team photo day. And I was like, kind of looking around and you, you and know, him. It was you only and me, him. And, me and Salt. I wasn't, uh, yeah, I wasn't there to work, but um, oh. it was me and Salty were like the lone guys from, uh, from the war from the stealth days basically like the original kind of crew so um just the turnover has been huge and i wouldn't say the guys on the stealth those previous years weren't weren't part of a a great recipe for great teams but i think um just getting some local talent back like brett midsky um you know eventually got jonesy back from buffalo and got pods and and, you know yeah list goes on yeah the list goes on and to pick up guys like Charlene Beatties and Bowering. And uh, we just picked up a lot of just veteran guys who maybe not veterans in the NLL, but you know, look at Bowering's stats already. He's, he's not a rookie. He's a vet out there. He's, he's a beast for us. So um, on the fun part of it, like, I think we have a really good fun team and I, I kind of pride myself on being like the fun leader a bit, <laughs> but you know, I think it's one of those things where um, I've my whole career, I've been able to, to turn it on and off like a light switch. Um, you know, I could be laughing and having a good time at one point, And then once it's time to, to be serious, you know, I flick on that serious switch. So I kind of try to lead the boys in that sense, keep it loose when we can keep it loose. But once it's go time, um, you know, it, the boys know it's go time. Leader of the fun club, Logan Shuss here for a few more minutes on lax glass, huge weekend on deck here for 
you guys with a, a game in Calgary on Friday. And I don't know if it gets any more important than that, but then you come back home to take on Albany. I know you can't really look past the first one, Logan, but to kind of jam two and one here, how important is this weekend to your club? It's massive. It's, uh, you know, I think it's exciting to, to have two games in one weekend because you can, you know, really crack out and hopefully get two, two wins and, and put yourself in a great position to make the playoffs. Um, you know, obviously what you said, we're looking, uh, looking at Calgary first and, you know, I think every team in this league is, is a great team. You know, you don't play in the NLL and, um, if you there's suck, no easy, well, yeah, like, there's no easy, game. yeah, no, <laughs> there's no, no shitty players in like, the NLL, put it that way. Yeah, exactly. And so that's kind of the, the way that we've been looking at it all year. And, you know, I, I still think teams think, you know, when they're playing against Vancouver, oh, it's Vancouver going to roll them. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the mentality we have in our room is that nobody kind of thinks of us as, you know, a strong contender anymore. Right. But uh, I think if we just kind of go at it each game and, and definitely got to bring our best against Calgary and Calgary, you know, they're a great team. They got great goaltending uh, studs on the back end. I like to run the ball and studs that can put the ball in the back of the net. So, you know, we got to bring our, uh, bring our best and get a win out there in Calgary. What kind of a game do you like to play against them? Like this San Diego was a real for the first three quarters was just five, five on five old school across. Like there wasn't a ton of transition. It was really just get the ball, settle down and let's work it around. Um, and I think that suits San Diego. They're not a team that's going to run a lot. Um, wh- what kind of game would you expect against the Calgary Roughnecks? You know them so well. Yeah. I mean, we all know that um, they're a run and gun type of team that really pushes the transition from the, the back end there, especially with, Delves, their goalie there, I think he has more points than, you know, 50% of the offensive players in this league. Uh, <laughs> he's a great passer and he can really feed the ball. So we got to be on our toes for that sense. And um, I think we just play our game and, and you know, strong defense. Our defense has been one of our, our major focal points this year is, is the strong goaltending back there with Luke or Fryer, whoever gets the start. And then uh, our veterans leading us back there. And, and obviously Reed Bowering scooping up every ball, getting it up to the offense. 60. Decent tweeter to uh, Del Bianco, just like yourself. You know who was brutal? It was June's. Uncle June's with the Chipotle. I don't know where he was going with that. I think that was pretty offside. I'm glad he came to the back at Chipotle and, and Nickelback for that matter. Logan. I'm, sorry, well, I'm just starting to question my, I'm starting to question my Chipotle thoughts. Yeah. I mean, if, if June's played until he was 40, whatever, then maybe I should lay off the Chipotle. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I know you got to get back to work here and there wasn't a, a game. I think the last time you guys were in Calgary, I think you had to like run out of the saddle dome with your helmet still on to make your flight home. For those that don't know, and you've had some scheduling issues over your career because of your job, what is it exactly that you do that can you can just not miss work? Uh, well, I'm a dispatcher here at uh, Delta Ports, so I do all sorts of things on the admin side of things. But uh, it's just a there's a limited a number job. of people that can do what you do, and you just can't miss. Absolutely, and uh, it's something that you know I I take pride in doing my job and. And very thankful for having a, a, the career I do. So um, I'm just thankful I'm able to balance both of them and, and do as much lacrosse as I can while having a, a great job. You want to throw Salty under the bus here before we, we go? I know you like to, to get into him a little bit. Is Salty next up on the No, on the we had him on spaces. I gave him a free lane to, to go at you, and he took the high road. But I know you won't. So if you... If... <laughs> <laughs> I, I always say salty if he ever gets chirpy at practice i just tell him to meet me in the corner like he did for the event center. <laughs> 2014 <laughs> baby 
Logan, uh, get back to work. Thanks for joining us here on Lax Glass. We will see you Saturday at Rogers Arena. Best of luck in Calgary. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Take care. There, there you go, Logan Shuss, Brad, Logan uh, one of your Ladner legends out there. I know you love so much. First overall draft pick in 2013. You mentioned keeping an eye on Milestone Watch. He's the second player, Jumbo, in the 2013 draft to hit 500 points. Name the first to do it. 2013 draft, 500 points. He was the fifth overall pick. <sighs> 2013. Do, 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 do. He just put me right out there. Uh, <laughs> not Crowley. Good buddy of Logan's. Mitch Jones. Wrong. Robert Church. Ah, the first player from the 2013 draft to score 500 points. You look at this 2013 draft. Like Logan goes number one, Jason Noble two, Dylan Ward three. <laughs> uh, but you go deep into this draft. Deep draft. Keegan Ball, third round, 25th overall pick to the Toronto, Toronto Rock back then. Now the leading scorer on the Vancouver Warriors. Um, Eric Penny, 38th overall to the Buffalo Bandits, now starting goaltender in the National Lacrosse League. Uh, Rob Pinnell, 50th overall. Never got to see him dress, yeah, but a good, uh, good crop good crop back then. And I think that's the highest a goaltender's gone since. Dylan Ward going in the three-hole to the Colorado Mammoth. Pretty good pick. Back then, but yeah, pick. Logan, it's nice to see him. You know, he knows his role right now, and I don't think he has to get – we've seen him be streaky throughout his career, right? And I think, you know, he's come to the acceptance that it might not be a 40-goal guy, a 35-goal guy anymore. So what else can you do with, with Kyle Killen and, and Keegan Ball being the go-to goal scorers now? What else can you do to be a good teammate and make guys around you better? And I think you start, I don't know if he was ex- accepting of that in years past, you know, it's like shoot till you're hot, get out of the slump. I still got to be that guy. But I think now he's focused on getting other guys open and helping in the assist. Category. And he's been and more effective that way, Brad. Like I think really he's has. become really a has. better player because of that. Like I know the goal score, but all around the setups, the pick game, the, the leadership, all of it there for Logan, I think accepting this new role, He's the heart and soul of that team, Brad. He, yeah, he's, he's, he's the, the glue engine. of that room, and he, yeah. he has been for a long time. So that's not going away. He's and got so a lot nice of years to see, ahead. Nice to years. see the, the adaption the adaption there, for sure. No doubt about it. All right, good shot there with uh, with the bus. Logan Shuss, we got another one coming up right after halftime. The head coach and general manager of the Philadelphia Wings, Paul Day. Stick around. EP 177 returns after this. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is NLL Hall of Famer and head coach of Panther City Lacrosse Club, Tracy Kluski. You are listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back. Halftime is over. Quarter three is underway. And associated labels and packaging are always working for your benefit. They are family-owned, focusing on ethics, quality, and they have an extensive product catalog, an ever-growing fleet of equipment. They are the perfect place to take your label or package 
to the next level, we think Associated Labels and Packaging. AssociatedLP.com is where you can find them. We can find this man. Well, I think he's in Peterborough right now. He's sometimes down in Philadelphia as well. He led his wings to a big victory, a much-needed one at that over Rochester over the weekend. Uh, head coach, general manager, Paul Day, back on Lax Class. Coach, how are you? I'm well, guys. Thanks for having me. Jumbo, I haven't lived in Peterborough in over 30 years. Okay. I have a place, a summer place up in Buckhorn, but I live in Grimsby. Grimsby. In Grimsby. I've lived in the lovely Niagara region for over 30 years. Okay. Since I left Vancouver Broads in 1990. Yeah, you'll always be oh. Peterborough to me. So man. even when, so you're a commuter then, even when you're coaching and managing in the summertime in Peterborough, you're uh, it's a nice drive. Yeah, you know what? I'm lucky enough that uh, we bought a place on a golf course up there. It's a six foot bay golf club. It's an unbelievable golf course and trailers and beach and boat and a uh, couple pools and oh, have awesome. a whole bunch of fun with a whole bunch of people I grew up with in Peterborough. Living the good life. I love it. While we're on the subject of, of Peterborough, big news this week with the PLL announcing that they're not going to allow their their players to dip into Canadian summer ball this year. Um, as a guy that's been near and dear to that league for a long time, what's, uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's probably not surprising. Um, you know, obviously, we're, you know, the three of us, we love the summer ball. And, uh, but, you know, owners that are, invest millions of dollars into the pro game are not as happy about guys playing summer ball obviously it's pretty physical and that's been a you know that's been talked at a lot of levels of lacrosse about summer ball but for us it's near and dear and uh hey it might you know it's going to give some young guys a little more opportunity i think which is really important i mean no different the east and the west man there's only six teams and there's not a lot of space for 100 plus junior a junior b and junior c kids graduating every year so you know it's going to hurt some teams but uh, again it's going to give another opportunity for for some young guys that we'll get to see before the NL draft. I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah. And Brad and I were talking off the top. Like, I think that's the direction that we need to go. Pro players should be pro players and that's it. Uh, so I don't know how far behind the NLL is going to be putting a clause in, in their contract saying the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't know either. It's so, um, I mean, we all love the Holy grail. Like, we want that man cup took me 27 years. I played and, uh-huh. Two or three of them never won it and coaching a couple never won it. So it took me a long time and obviously pretty important to all of us. But I think, you know, that's uh, same as the Mintos, very important to us growing up. But uh, I mean, I think, as you said, I think it's it's definitely coming down the road, I'm sure. Where do you want to start here, Brad? Kyle Jackson, why don't we start there? Uh, you swoop up, Kyle Jackson. Nice to have a top flight player just kind of fall into your lap like that. I know you probably had to do a little work to, to coax Kyle to come to Philly, but you got him. Nobody else did. You know, I think it's obviously a pretty good relationship. Uh, you know, right off the top, I was actually a grocery shopping and I got a text from uh, Danielle in our front office who's been there since day one. And Dana was, a, a you know, someone who was pretty important to building the, the organization from day one, mm-hmm. Kyle's wife. So those two before it even hit my email, I got a text from Danielle. So, and then it just appeared. So those two were kind of on top of it. And obviously Dan, Dan is very comfortable in the city and uh, Kyle's heard pretty good things about the organization. So that relationship helps. And, uh, you know, I think I spent a year or two with Kyle in Rochester, which was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I mean, it was lots of teams battling for sure. And I think we can give them a pretty good spot to, you know, to move to that community and work in the, in the community. Dana was the one that set that up 
really for all of our players and uh, pretty seamless transition. Plus, you know, to be a big, big part of our, uh, our organization. Hey, there's no uh, secret that he moves a lot. He creates a lot of space for people. And his first night in the lineup, you know, Corey Small goes off for six. So he had a little more space and that's what he was brought in to do. And uh, we were quite fortunate to get him. And, you know, obviously had to make some deals at the trade deadline too, to get a little younger. You know, there's been, and I don't know how much information is out there, but you know, some people have heard the rumblings as to maybe a falling out in that room in Halifax and, 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 you know, his play maybe not living up to his standards this, this season, but we know what KJ can do. And I think he looked fantastic uh, playing for you last week, but you know, how much conversation goes into him about what maybe went wrong in Halifax and what can go right in, in your lineup in Philadelphia on and off. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, we've spent time together. So we have that familiar, familiar, we're familiar. Let's just say that. And uh, I think, you know, I'm a pretty simple man and we have a small uh, organization. We have a really small bench it's Ian Rubel and myself. So there's not a lot of messages. It's pretty clear and uh, we don't have a lot of meetings. Um, so it's a pretty easy place to come into and we've got a lot of veterans and, you know, I think for us, everybody's expecting a lot of our offense, including our offense and myself, but, you know, we built the team in 2020 in the summer, you know, fast forward 18 months later, we finally play and, you know, everybody's a couple years older and it wasn't working. And, uh, you know, he actually fits right into what we're looking for on the left side. And, and Samuel Leclerc, who's a rookie was you know, another speed guy on the, on the right side. And, uh, you know, I think we were just fortunate enough to be able to, to bring him in, as you said, for free, but I think it's a good fit for us and for him. Well, honestly, Paul, I know you listen to the show on a weekly basis and we've been tough on the Philadelphia wings as have some others with, you know, the record, not beating a team above 500 yet. The offense had been struggling to reach 10 goals. You eclipse that you get back in the win column, but, you know, before these moves, you look up and down that roster and everybody's kind of going, they got way too much talent on this team to not be clicking better. What did you surmise from all that? Why do you think it wasn't? Was it too much of one ingredient and not enough of another or just something was a little out of whack there and you had to make some changes? Yeah, I think, like I said, you know, we built kind of built the offense in 2020 and, uh, you know, I think the biggest problem we had this year was speed and some youth. That's really, you know, the, I think, you know, Hicks and, and uh, Kevin Crowley really kind of excel in the same area on the floor. Um, so I don't think we were generating with a lot of speed. Obviously, Ramble's a guy who can do that. And he's his last three or four games, those four game losing streak were actually, you know, two or three of his best. But again, uh, you know, it just wasn't working. And I think when it's not working, you better make a change. And, uh, you know, I think Hicks will be a good fit in San Diego. There's some other teams I think he would have been a good fit too. Some of those guys, young guys play fast and he's a guy who's going to catch and shoot. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, as I said to some other people, by the end of March, like at the time we started our, our losing streak, uh, you know, early March, there were some teams with not a lot of losses. I told my bosses and some other people, by the end of March, other than Buffalo, most teams are going to be like four or five, six losses, and that's what's happened. So, yeah. You know, you think of a, a team that, like Georgia, who's on fire. Well, we beat them twice, so they're above 500. But at the end of the day, you play the team. Halifax four in a row now, right? They've... Yeah, like it's, that's that's just, you know, it's not easy. We know it's not easy to win. So I think we went through January and February were some tough months for us. 
tough you schedule know, too, right, Paul? Like not not I know a lot of home games in there, but you had a real heavy front end loaded schedule. Yeah, the seven games or the nine games in seven weeks at one after Christmas was tough. And the one of the reasons was travel. Like if you get to the airport, I think I drove three of four weekends in a row to Philly because you get to the airport and they'd say, yeah, there's no crew for the plane. So we did a lot of driving, went through a lot of COVID in January, but I kind of feel like we're battle tested. We've been through a lot of stuff and, uh, you know, I think we've still come out. We're a pretty close group. The other part was we played all those games at home. So we never got on the road. Our first real road trip, we went to Hamilton, you know, a lot of guys live there. We had seven or eight guys in the community in Philly. Yeah. So everybody gets with their families. They don't get together as a group. We went to Georgia for our first game. Well, half the team ended up in Knoxville, Tennessee, because of a windstorm. So we didn't see those guys <laughs> for a couple hours before game time. So this last couple weekends uh, in Buffalo, even though we didn't play well, and in Rochester, we actually got together after the game and went out together. Yeah. So it's almost like we never haven't got that time together. So and I think that's really, really important. So we enjoyed, you know, a couple of pops after the game Saturday night, and I think that was really good for us. Yeah, you mentioned like it is, has been a weird schedule, and now we're entering uh, April, which is the busiest. Twenty-seven percent of the league's schedule is going to be crammed into the next four five weeks. And you're right, like the record really doesn't matter until now. You won, win. You guys are back in a playoff spot this weekend, and you know I don't think anybody was was thinking about that. And that's how easy things can turn around. Um, where was this group sort of sort of mentally during this during this losing stretch for you guys? Well, I think actually a couple of good things happened. Uh, you know, when you are losing, I think it was a time to just stop and stop reading about uh, this team could, you know, be a championship team. I think it's more about being a good team today. Like right now, hey, it's a practice. Let's focus on this drill right now. Let's not worry about who we are or what we're doing, who's winning, who's losing. Just worry about in the moment. I think that really actually got us back into that focus. So, um, I mean, I think you'll learn a lot more from losing at some points in the season. So I think we've learned a lot. And obviously as a management group, we thought we needed to make some changes. And, and I think the trade deadline coming right after a, a loss in Buffalo was, you know, precipitated changes need to be made. You lose by one or two, maybe you think, okay, we're okay here. We can, but we needed to make some changes and we did. What'd you like about LeClaire's game that made you want to go out and get him? Well, I mean, he's a young guy. He's got a lot of familiarity. Uh, he's familiar again. I can't <laughs> yeah, do that word. Familiarity <laughs> is not an easy word. No, not not today. No. And uh, he, uh, you know, Kyle Matisse coached him in the summer. Corey Small coached him in the summertime. Ian Rubel coached him. Ian Lord had a little, little bit of uh, time with him in St. Catharines as well. And he's a late bloomer. He was a smaller guy before, but he's put some weight on. He's fast. And he's kind of an ingredient that I think can grow with this team. And uh you know, he's obviously pretty creative. We thought he had some good games in, in Colorado. And, you know, we think we can give him a real good opportunity. And, you know, he's a Niagara guy that's close with a lot of these guys. Alex Pace and him are like best buddies. So okay. I think that was really important. Chemistry is so important with putting guys in the room. Yeah, well, he banged three against Vancouver when, when he was with the Mammoth and got in the lineup. So uh, pretty pretty good looking player there. And I think you're right. I think he's he's the exact ingredient that you guys needed over on that side of the floor. As we speak with the head coach and general manager of the Philadelphia Wings, and you're talking about kind of living in the now and the here. And I know it's still a few days away, but I would imagine you've already started preparation for the New York Riptide, who are coming off a pretty impressive victory in their own right. 
what are you expecting when you head to Long Island to take on the Riptide, who also made a couple of deals at the deadline and looked like a much improved lacrosse team since the beginning of the season there for New York? Yeah, actually, Thursday we got Buffalo at home. Excuse so, me. Uh, I was jumping the yeah. gun. And we're Saturday. Speaking of, yeah, speaking of schedules, so we've – before last week and we had six games left till April 30th, well, we play Thursday, Philly, Saturday, Toronto, Friday, San Diego. So we've got eight – uh, three and eight days. What? Say that again. I'm a- Thursday, Philly to Buffalo, Saturday in New York, and then Friday night in San Diego. Okay. So that's, okay. Okay. that's like 60% of our seasons in the rest of the seasons in one in eight days. So, wow. I mean, yeah, we're, uh, you know what? New York's done a great job this year. I think off their offense is lights up. They're really fun to watch and uh, they've done a great job. So, but we're going to focus on Buffalo. Yeah. Let's go back to Buffalo here, Paul, because it didn't, didn't go particularly well up against the bandits in the first one. What do you guys got to do to change that around? You know, I thought if you saw the game, the first quarter, we were real good. We, you know, we, we had a lot of chances. We just didn't finish. Um, now we're working with an analytics company this year, us Rochester and Halifax and that four game losing streak. We had like 130 shots from the slot. So let's say low, mid and high. And we, you know, we only capitalized on like 16 goals. And so we knew we were still getting to that area of the floor. And against Buffalo, we got there. We just didn't finish. And uh, the teams that we were playing against got to that area a little more than us and finished a lot more than us. So that was, I mean, I guess that, that, that makes you look at it and say, okay, we're getting there. And then obviously this weekend against Rochester, we did. I mean, that, that Buffalo team, as we can see, it's the best team in the league right now, no doubt about it. So we'll have our hands full, but uh you know, I think we got some, like we said, we got some youth and we got Corey Vitterelli, hopefully, and Matt Rambo coming back into the lineup too, which will help for sure. You know, you mentioned getting to those those high high percentage areas against Buffalo, but when you do get there, you got Matt Vince right there, who's playing absolutely <laughs> unhuman-like lacrosse right now. He's 39. He's still the best goaltender in the world. Um, you coached him. You know him very well. Is there something to exploit there? Is there a way to beat Matt Vince? Yeah, obviously. Run him, Paul. Just run him right off the opening draw, right? No, not a chance. <laughs> I, you know, and the one of the best conditioned athletes in our game. And when I talk to young goalies now, I'm like, you know, a lot of goalies still are kind of the heavier guys. You need to be the best athlete. And he's proved it. I mean, I think he's the best of all time. And uh, he, he, I watched him yesterday. He is playing great. And uh, obviously their D does a good job. And he's got a book on everybody. He's so smart. Like he makes notes. I mean, all these guys do, but he is like unbelievable at it. So, I mean, you got to shoot off swings and you got to shoot quick on him. Uh, if you're, if you're thinking you're going to shoot your favorite shot, he's going to be there before you even throw the ball. So I, I think that that's big with him. I was watching, I had to chuckle watching that. I think it was the second game against Halifax and, I mentioned it to, to Danny, my girlfriend, when I saw it, but he Hasek was coming down kind of on the wrong side of the floor on a partial breakaway, and and Vino just gave him the shoot shoot right there, Graham. I, I'm going to leave that corner open for you. And then, you know, like just took it away because he knew he was going there. I'm just like, that is so classic Vino. He's got a – you mentioned a book. Like he's got a book on defenders even. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's – I mean, he's a great professional – just for us, Higgy playing with him for one or two years in Buffalo. Now Higgy's like that guy and uh, he studies it so much. It's so important. And uh, I mean, we're, that's part of our analytics. Like we, you know, it's tough for shooters to 
you know, obviously you know where they're weak, but you don't want to focus on aiming the ball either. So yeah. but we, we, you know, it's a, it's a great company. And well, uh, let me ask you this coach it's, it's, you know, you're into the analytics and I think more teams are getting into this, but what types of analytics are you most focused on? So for our offensive guys, we're most focused on, okay, you know, Jumbo, where do you, where do you have your most success on the floor from? And your, you know, your job as a player or coach is to get to that spot as many times in a game. Um, and I think from our perspective as a coach, it's Jumbo, you always like to do the big L and shoot from there. Well, you love that spot, but if you're going to be better at this game, you need to get to that spot, taking a different route and a different way. So without the ball, up picking rather than carrying the ball in the big L and shooting around the screen. So the, but you need to get to that spot because you're shooting at like 30% from there. So that's kind of what the, some of the shooting charts, but guys have to understand that the way you get to that spot has to be different all the time, or you can game plan for that. So that's kind of one of the things offensively we definitely use. And then on the D side of things, when you're studying for other teams, is it, is it the reverse? So you're trying to figure out where, where the opposition is scoring their most goals from and trying to avoid letting those players get to those spots on the opposing team. Yeah. hundred percent. And obviously the teams that move the ball really, really fast, it's pretty difficult, but I mean, you're obviously the, you're trying to keep them out of the shooting funnel uh, as a defense. And uh, you know, that's, it's not easy, but uh, I think it, it actually, it helps the guys visualize to see where everybody is successful. So Have you it's got- great for us. We can show up the teams we played on one side, us is one side them. And, and it's pretty cool. Have you got into the shot clock stuff at all? Because I know, there's like yeah, a I would philosophy say, yeah. out there of shooting yeah. early in the clock or shooting late in the clock, not so much in the middle of the clock. So we, we were into the shot clock stuff pretty good. Really more of the reset stuff. Uh, oh, Second, in, third opportunity, that sort of yeah, thing. 2017 Man Cup, the first two games, we had no resets. We weren't using them. And then we kind of kept track of them for a couple of years. And and even, you know, I kept track of it on the bench quite a bit. Uh in our second year with Philly, when TK was still on the bench, obviously there's just two of us now. It doesn't, we don't have as much time, but uh, I mean, I, I think it's such a dynamic game, but some of the, some of the analytics for sure are helpful. Last one for me here for you, coach. Um, you mentioned Higgy earlier and, and, you know, making that step since he worked with Matt Vince, but he really has become an elite goaltender in the last couple of seasons after trying to find his footing in the league and find out where he was fitting. Um, other than Vince there, what, what else do you attribute to Higgy's evolution over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think he's a lot more efficient in the net. Um, I think he's a lot, not as athletic and just trying to stop the balls inside the red pipes. Um, calmer. Calmer. Yeah. He does study the game. And then, like in a you know five on three situation against Rochester last week, he he was very athletic and made some great saves. So he, he still has a, the ability to do that, but he doesn't have you know his feet are calmer. He's just filling the net a lot more, and when he's efficient, and I don't want to say slower because that's not the right word, but when he's more efficient and more uh, in the net, then he's a lot more successful. And you know he's it's funny after he broke his nose and had COVID right after that, he's. He's been very, very good since then, you know, probably 80%. Probably a little more familiarity with a lot of the players there too, Paul. Familiarity. Yes, yes, yes. Very, (laughs) very good word. Nice one. Hey, Paul, thanks so much uh, for your time. As always, 
I know we got a real tough schedule coming up. Uh, best of luck with that. And we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Thanks, Paul. There you go. Paul Day, GM, head coach, Philly Wings. And one of the best, Brad. Uh, you know, in the game as a manager, as a coach, he's won multiple awards. And, and he's really kind of done it all in our sport from playing, coaching, managing, all of it. Yeah. And one thing we talked about last time he was on was that he's a full timer and that attention to detail and being able to do the, do your homework and, and study the analytics goes, goes a really long way. Cause I don't know how many are, or I hope everyone's doing it, but I know not everybody is. So yeah. that's always nice to see. And Philly, they're in a playoff spot right now. Yeah. Like I, you, I'm glad you said that we've been hard on them Cause I think we have been, but the playoffs started tonight. Philadelphia wings are playing against the San Diego seals and in a one and done league, anything is possible. I trust Paul there. Really do. Always have. Good man, good coach, good manager, all of it. Uh, quarter three is now complete, which means we just have one more quarter to go. It's going to be a biggie. Evan's coming back. Fourth quarter action EP 177 is right after this. Hey, this is Logan Shaw. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box across. And now it's time for another round of Who You Got? Welcome back to Lax Class as we move into quarter number four. Jake Kelly, Brad Sean are with you, and I want to let you guys know to please hop on wherever you're listening to this podcast, Spotify, Google, Apple, hit that subscribe button, fire down a five-star review, and uh, jot down a couple of words there. That helps us reach this podcast to a bunch of new listeners and keep this thing going. So please do that. Give us a follow on social media as well, at Lax Class on Twitter, at Lacrosse Classified on Insta. we got a Facebook page. Email address is lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. Brad is at Brad Chow. Evan is at Shemlax, and myself is at PXP. Four Sports is how you can find us all on social media. Time now to introduce Evan Shemner, back of the pod. This is how we do it. Sing it, boys. Here we go. It's Friday night. Evan, this is your song. You're not singing. This Friday night, we got... Three games, fellas. Busy, busy weekend. But you know, you asked the question last week. If he had any other kids? He actually did. <laughs> no, he did. Get it on hit. tonight was actually pretty big. Which one? Get it on tonight was actually pretty big. Actually, if I'm not mistaken. It was a. You got oh, it there damn. in the back. Fire it up in the background yeah. if you got it. We're uh, while you're doing that, let's play. Who you got? It's time once again. To play your favorite podcast game. Who you got? There you go. Who you got? Brought to you by Stampede Tack in Western Wear. Spring is in the air. It's getting lighter out longer. Time to dust off the old hog or motorcycle. And get out there and enjoy what life has to offer. And do so, well, before you do that, head to Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Pick up some new riding boots, maybe some new jeans, 
some leathers, whatever you need to uh, keep yourself protected. Hats, they got it all. Stampede Tech in Western Wear, stampede.ca, out there in Cloverdale, or shop online because it's still shopping local at stampede.ca. Evan, uh, you're just talking about Montel, and you said he's got another hit. You got it ready to go? Fired up. On Evan Schemenauer FM. All hit radio. 96.9, Saskatoon. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. I never heard this song in my life. I, I, <laughs> not bad, not bad. All right, who you got? Let's get this out of the way right off the top. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Big winner for week 17 just happens to be, well, the heir to the throne of Rycor Construction, I would have to say. Josh Mills is this week's winner, Evan. How'd he do? Six for eight. That's uh, all it took. Didn't make too, too many mistakes. Picked against the Warriors, I know that. Yeah, but the big mistake was our overall leader, Johnny Hartnett, going one for eight. He pulled a challenger. One for eight for the Hurricanes. We have an overall new leader for who he got. Yes, we do. Um, If I had my notes up, I would have. Evan, you're so unprepared today. What is going on? I asked (laughs) you to have the music ready. You guys pulled me away from my desk right now. What is going on? Uh, Here we go. It is... Dan Chetner. Dan Chetner, who actually won week 16. Or no, he won the Warriors tickets. That's what Dan won the other day. He won Warriors tickets. He won, he won a week. I think four. he won a week too, yeah. yeah. All right, well, we'll see if Dan Chetner can stay in first place. The key to all that is Harnett is no longer in first place, which I think we can all agree we're happy about, right? We don't want John Harnett winning who he got, do we? I have no problem with that. I'm just kidding. I'm giving Hurricane a hard time. He's done well. He's still in the running. And I think the top 20, Evan, is like separated by what? Like not a lot. It's it's wide open on who's going to win this season and who you got. Yeah, one mistake and you are going to be in for it at this stage. Well, can I recover though? Like I, I know you, you're the math guy. If I have a really good week, Am I if still you in the win mix? perfect the rest of the way, you might win. Oh, my God. I've fallen that bad, eh? Four for six. I've been on a steady climb this weekend. I've four gone from, like, weekend. 60th up into 33rd position. Yeah, you've now. definitely improved. I got too hot and too cocky early, but there's still a lot of season to go. So we'll see. And this week, fellas, is the biggest week of them all. Evan, you want to explain this right off the top here? Because the NOL is classifying Monday's game, not the Monday we're recording on, but next Monday as part of week 18. Right now, it is not listed on Office Pool Junkies where you sign up for who you got, but we're trying to rectify that situation. Correct. So we are going to designate, it'll be nine. You'll have to put nine on your most confident game all the way down to number one. It's not on there now, but it will be. Yeah, we're trying to get that one clarified because this was supposed to be the eight the the one week of the season where you had went eight through one uh, until of course rescheduled game made it a nine game week so we're trying to get clarification if you're going to have a nine game or if you're going to have two ones or how that's going to work we'll get that all figured out and whether or not their cutoff for the week is after Sunday night or if it's after Monday night whether that game's going to count I believe it's going to count this week so we're going to play it as if it does count there you go so. Hopefully it all happens before you even hear this podcast. And I will tweet out the 
the instructions so that she both want to see what's going on. Tyler conversation may be irrelevant by the time that you actually hear this. So I digress. Let's get into this. Uh, Evan, I think I did the best out of everybody last week. Once again, I know you're still slightly ahead of me in the overall standings, but I'm taking the reins once again here for a massive week 18 and hosting who you got, which begins on another Thursday night lacrosse game. I love to see it. Thursday, 4.30 Pacific time, last day of March, 12-1 and 1 Buffalo into Philadelphia to take on the six and seven wings. Evan, who you got? As much as I love it that Paul Day was a guest this week, they haven't won against a team with a winning record yet. Prove it to me, Philly. Until then, Buffalo for me. Brad, who you got? Ooh. I think we're going to hear a lot of that this week again, too. This is oh, the last three great. weeks. I look forward to your ooze every week. And uh, the chase to the championship starts now. 27% of the league schedule will be played in the month of April. Um, now who's the analytics gonna, gonna guy? Like that. That's we're Evan Scheminauer stuff right there, John. 27%. Right? All right. I believe 27% of the league schedule will be played in the month of April. So it's we're going to have a lot of lacrosse. There's going to be a lot of weekends like this, and everything is sort of up for grabs. We're, we're ramping into it now. Ah, man, and, you know, a great chat with Paul Day. He's one of my favorite guests to have on the show. But the Buffalo Bandits are just absolutely in fuego right now. So I might make up for Philly when we talk about uh, their Saturday game in a couple minutes here, but for this one, I'm going to have to take the Bandits. Until they lose again, I don't know how you don't take the Bandits. I'm taking the Bandits for a 7. Friday, 6 o'clock Eastern from Halifax, so it's like 5 o'clock. What do they call that time zone anyways? The Maritime Zone? The Atlantic. Atlantic, that's what they call it. Uh, Halifax, hosting Rochester, 3-10, and 8-5, Brad, who you got? Halifax Thunderbirds. This is my eight game. Boar Rochester Nighthawks are sort of like the get right team. I talked about it earlier. Teams get right against the Rochester Nighthawks. Halifax will do that this weekend. At the nest, I'll give this one an eight. Evan, who you got? Yeah, not much to add to there. Halifax for nine. This game's at one o'clock. Oh, yeah, this got to be. Is that your, so is that, West. Sorry, does that, does that mean you want to make that your nine game then, Brad? I think we need to adjust all our numbers here. Oh, yeah. Should we? No, no, we're not starting over. I'll make Buffalo my eight game. This is going to be my nine game. So whatever you're looking at number, just add one to it. No, just just make sure you, you've been sort of Colorado or somewhere. Uh, Toronto. Sorry, what were you saying about 2, 2 p.m. Pacific time? That's a Friday? That's on Friday? That's what time this game starts, yeah. Like, 3 p.m. How's everybody getting any work done this week? I don't know. <laughs> It is my work. Toronto goes to Georgia. A little rematch from this past weekend. Again, this is a Friday night affair down there at Gas South. Real intriguing game here. Toronto 8-5, Georgia 8-6. Evan, who you got? And the, the amazing thing is Georgia winning without Miles on. That I didn't, I didn't think could happen. Now, we don't know if Lyle's going to be back or not, but for now, I've got Georgia for Brad, who you got? Rubber match. Toronto Rock going to Georgia. They'll win one on the road. This is my sixth game, but Toronto offense really didn't show up at home this weekend. They'll bounce back. They'll get it done in Georgia. This is going to be my two game. 
And I'm tempted to flip the coin again here. It did me well, I think, the last time I flipped it on Georgia. I'm not going to waste it here. I'm taking the Georgia Swarm. Toronto let me down last weekend. I took them. They only put up six. That was at home. They're playing the same team, but now on the road. They got a second game this weekend as well. So give me Georgia, but it's my two game. Georgia for two. If Georgia Fuck. wins that game, they could be in third place. I'm telling you. Pooling is, second, is they the key. Yeah. If Halifax that. loses. Yeah. Final game on Friday. Warriors at Calgary. Real pivotal matchup here. Six and seven Vancouver. Five and seven Calgary. Down in Cowtown, Friday night, Fool's Day. Brad, who you got? TSN game of the week. Teddy and I and Chantel haven't been on the road together since February. Last time we went to Calgary where the Vancouver Warriors won. Um, I'm looking forward to get back out to Cowtown again. There was a bunch of COVID restrictions still in town last time we were there, so we can maybe get out a little bit more this time. But because it's the TSN game of the week, and I will be calling it, I'm exercising my coin on this one. Coin flip going up right now. Heads, Calgary Roughnecks, Tails, Vancouver Warriors. Heads. Heads for home team. I do not envy you. That's your one game. I do not envy you. That is my one game, yes. Evan, who you got? It's my one game, too. It would have been my one game regardless of the situation, but yes, I'm not taking Vancouver the rest of the year, so it's a one on the Calgary Roughnecks. Okay, see, I, that almost... Wait till they play the Rush. Do you even have some soul-searching day when Vancouver plays Saskatchewan? I've picked against the Rush so many times. But this almost makes me feel like you actually want to pick Vancouver, but you know you can't, so you've put in a one beside it. But it would have been my one game if I picked Vancouver anyhow. Mm, I don't know if I believe that. I really don't know. I'm taking Vancouver for a five here. I think the Warriors just match up really well against Calgary. For whatever reason, I haven't really been able to put my finger on that. But I like Vancouver on the road, and I'm taking them for a five. You hear that, boss? Brad's taking Calgary. I'm taking Vancouver, just in case you're keeping score at home there. Uh, Let's move along. Saturday, lacrosse now, San Diego, coming off that loss to Vancouver, still nine and three. The Iceman, Westberg, should be back in the lineup after coming off of COVID. Toronto will be in Georgia the night before as they return to Hamilton. What will the record be? Rock hosts the Seals. Evan. No, Brad. Who you got? I'm taking the Seals in this one. Toronto's on a back-to-back. They're in Georgia the night before. Have to get back across the border, back to Toronto with the Seals sitting there waiting for them. Coming off of a loss. May or may not have Westberg back in the lineup, but I'll take the Seals on the road with a five. Evan, who you got? Brad took my description to a T. Seals for a three. I'm taking the Toronto Rock in this one. I think they lose their opener on the road. I think they bounce back at home. Maybe San Diego might come back to, to life or down to earth a little bit here. Western team, all the rest. I'm taking Toronto for a four. Toronto for a four. Moving along. Philadelphia playing their second game of the weekend. They are on the road, heading for Long Island, taking on a riptide team that just took Albany to the woodshed on the weekend. 4-8 and eight riptide, hosting the Philadelphia Wings. Evan, hurry up! This is another toughie. When I started to dissect where I was going to go with this game, first off, Philly is playing well, two nights before, so it shouldn't be too bad. Yes, they're playing a team below 500, 
but I think even on a bad night, the Riptides still get a dozen. And I don't think Philly can put up a dozen on a consistent basis. For that reason, I'm taking the Riptide for two. Brad, who you got? I'm taking Philly to bounce back here. I know New or New York beat them earlier this season. I think this is a chance for for Philly to get right again. It's a team that's under 500. Philly's had some really good luck there, um, and this was the, their second half of a back to back. For the opposite reasons of Toronto, I think uh, this group we heard about Paul Day bonding on the road is super important. They'll get it together in New York and have some pops afterward. Give me the riptide here, fellas. I'm believing more and more in this New York team led by Dan Latissour. And on their home floor is the determining factor for me. I just think this offense is too potent not to beat Philadelphia. I think they outscore them. And this can be a high-scoring game. I believe it. New York riptide for three. Three more games to go. Buffalo playing their second game of the weekend as they play on Thursday. Now on Saturday as they head for Ball Arena to take on the Colorado Mammoth. Can they keep it going? Brad Chowner, who you got? This is a tough weekend for, for Buffalo. Two road games. I know they have the home and home with Halifax. and That's a tough city to get to, but they're in Philadelphia on Thursday night. I don't know. Like I doubt guys are going home. They're probably going to maybe sticking around Philly for a day or two and then heading to Denver to play against the Colorado, um, play against the Colorado mammoth. So I think the Buffalo is going to come up with it again. I can't bet against them until they, until they lose right now. Cause they're rolling, but I think this is going to be a tight game at ball arena. It's my only my two game. Cause I'm so wishy-washy on which way this one's going to go. Evan, who you got? I'm a lot more confident in the bandits here than, Brad, it's simply because there is a night in between and probably get down to Denver Friday morning. They get acclimatized, they get their shoot around, they go through their normal routine. Colorado, we just don't know what Colorado team's going to show up. We've seen both ends of it. For now, Buffalo for a seven. Yeah, give me Buffalo for a six here. And I could honestly, I could see Colorado win this game. I would not be super surprised, but I'm... I'm on the Buffalo bandwagon here until they get another tick in the loss category here. So give me the bandits and put a six beside it. Albany waiting in Vancouver for them to return. I think they're taking the red eye back, sleeping in their own beds. They won't have morning shoot around. Full day of rest there before heading to Rogers Arena for spring break festivities. Beach balls, lays. Warriors hosting the Firewolves. Evan, who you got? You know, when I started looking back on it, I have worse luck picking Albany than I do Vancouver. I've, I've made more mistakes on the Firewolves this season than the Warriors. So <laughs> this is a complete hex on this one. But to me, the Warriors have to put that much more energy into the Friday night because it's so critical to their playoff position. Yeah, you don't want to lose any game, but the Friday night one's more critical. Albany takes this one for a five. Five. That's disrespectful. Brad, who you got? I'm trying to see who Vancouver plays next week in week 19. Saskatchewan. Or if they play at all. Oh, they are in Sask. Okay. But Saturday. You know what? I, I like, we you know what the Warriors have never had that they have now? 
like a, a really good atmosphere inside Rogers arena and a home field advantage. And it's been a long time coming, but I just think you go from the beach, uh, the, what was it? College night and then country night and now beach night and people are having fun inside Rogers arena. I think the Vancouver Warriors are starting to feel that and starting to build off of that momentum a little bit on that home floor. It's becoming a really tough and fun place to play. I'm going to take the Vancouver Warriors coming back at home, leaving it all on the line in front of their home fans, second half of a back-to-back completing it on Saturday, on Saturday night. All right. What are you putting beside him? Well, it's all screwy because I don't know where all my numbers have gone. <laughs> I got lost with the numbers. Let me ask you this question. Put your Chris Gillen hat on for a second. Who are your goaltenders for the team? Oh, it's Bouquet for sure on Friday night. And then you might start Bouquet on Saturday night with a short leash. They like Fryer off. Fryer's Fryer's solid off the bench. I think Bouquet's the better starter. Fryer's the better finisher. I know it's not baseball. It's lacrosse. But I think if Bouquet gets in trouble, I'm more confidence Fryer. Especially after grinding out that victory over San Diego. There was a spot in that game where I thought, man, are they going to hook him here? And they let him ride it out. He found it, and he got it done. It's Bouquet in both games. It is. He's their number one guy now. I'm fully convinced of that. Give me the Warriors. You know that. One more game to go. What is it? Philly at Buffalo on Monday, Evan? Is that right? No, it is New York at Colorado. Okay, I was close. I was close. (laughs) (laughs) New York at Colorado. This is a COVID makeup game. Monday. I don't know how many Monday games have been played in the National Lacrosse League. New York at Colorado. Monday. Brad, who you got? Give me the Colorado Mammoth. It's a Monday. It's weird for everybody, but they're going to be at home waiting for them. Again, home field advantage. Crowd always comes out to support. doesn't matter what night of the week it's going to be. The Mammoth faithful will be there. Give me the Mammoth on that one. Evan, who you got? Yeah, the Mammoth is the Saturday night game. They desperately need this one. They've got better goaltending. Give me the Mammoth 46. I will take the Mammoth as well. My numbers are screwy too, so I'm not... I don't even know what to put beside it, but I I think the Mammoth, that's going to be a desperate Mammoth team that needs to get that victory at home. So give me the Mammoth in that one as well. Huge Week 18 is on deck. We'll keep you posted on how things are playing out with the, the schedule. But now it's time for Lax Class Locks. It's locked. sound drop on the end of that little intro as Evan really screwed us this past weekend picking San Diego Brad and butchered and blew up our parlay for the people so if uh, if you got any hate mail or tweets or anything send it to Saskatoon because Evan ruined everything on the parlay so we'll go combo parlay for the boosted odds courtesy of cool bet this week and just as i always mention with who you got if you haven't signed up yet you can still win weekly prizes password is lax class search who you got up get in on the fun don't forget to set your picks to automate it in case you forget but just as uh with who you got on cool bet it's still 
up for grabs here. Bonus code LAXCLASS if you're a first-time sign-up on CoolBet. They will match you up to $200. I actually, you guys have heard me talking about disc golf uh, over you know the last couple of months here on the podcast. You can bet on disc golf, on CoolBet. This is like the coolest thing to me because, well, not that I follow it super closely, but I know, Who's you know, Ken, player? Who Who's the your top, player? Ken Climo is my favorite. Okay, player. you do, you can name one. Yeah. Excellent. So, uh, this is super cool that you can bet on disc golf. I believe the Western Texas Open it was just this past weekend. We'll have to look and see what's what's on the menu this weekend. But lots of things to to sprinkle your money around on on cool bet, not just lacrosse. Point being, use the bonus code Lax Class. They will match you up to $200 on your first-time deposit. Com- quite nicely off of St. Peter's there. Ah, the there's some money to be had out there. No question yeah. about it. Uh, but at the end of the day, March Madness, all the Blue Bloods are in the Final Four. Kansas, Villanova. Well, who do you got? Duke, who do you, who's your, who Carolina. you got in the Final Four? I had Gonzaga. No, but who you got now? <laughs> well, I'll never cheer for Duke. Um, ever. <laughs> so give me Carolina and give me Kansas. Anyways, let's get to our lax class locks cool bet boosted parlay, Evan. You can roll this out. So we don't have what the boosted number is yet, but here's the games in play. Halifax versus Rochester is Halifax minus 1.5, so they must win by two or more. New York, Philly. The pick is New York plus 1.5. So if New York wins or loses the game by one, it hits. And in the Albany-Vancouver game, it is under 22 goals. That is a plus 575. My guess is it's going to go probably go up to plus 650 by the time we're, we're boosted here. So 650, 20 jumbo bucks gets you what? Ooh. Come uh, on, Evan. 150. 150 is what the number is. Dang that out in your head, man. Let's go. Brad, uh, personal parlay. Personal parlay. I got the Buffalo Bandits and the Colorado Mammoth. Colorado Mammoth plus 2.5 at minus 110. So keep that close. I think that'll be a a tight one. Um, Albany Firehose, Vancouver Warriors. I don't see a lot of goals in this lacrosse game. Albany is snake bit at some times. Vancouver's second half of a back-to-back. I think we're going to get a low-scoring slugfest here. Give me the under 22 at minus 106. And then I've got an easy money line to clean everything up at the end. Buffalo Bandits, minus 286, but against the Philadelphia Wings, 20 bucks there is plus 401 and win you 80 bucks. There you go. So close to 100 on your return, right? Uh, Evan, your parlay? I'm going actually a little more aggressive on the Bandits in Philly. Bandits minus 1.5 for minus 1. Of course, my pick in the combined one was Halifax minus 1.5. Or minus 122, and it is a pick'em in San Diego, Toronto. I'm taking the seals on the money line, pick'em at minus 110. That gives you a plus 473, and 20 jumbo bucks pays back 114.59. Good luck to you, sir. This, I don't normally say this, a little more conservative for yours truly, but I am so confident in this parlay, you might as well go out and spend the money now because it's going to get into your bank account by the the end of the weekend. So just carefree, just go spend it now. It's free money for you if you listen 
to this parlay. Vancouver plus 1.5 in Calgary. Can't believe they're actually an underdog here. So give me Vancouver plus 1.5. I will take Toronto at plus 1.5 on their home floor against San Diego. And I'm taking the, the Riptide on their home floor underdog as well against a team that, again, has never beaten a team with a winning record. I know the Riptide don't have one, but they're playing like one right now. They are plus 1.5 as well. Gives you plus 391 for a cool bet return of $98.12. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's all I can say. Fellas, uh, appreciate your time once again here on the podcast. Don't forget, get your picks in early. Thursday night is when the action begins. We'll update you on the whole situation with the Monday game. Bonus code Lax Classic, cool bet. Thanks to them for helping out. Associated Labels and Packaging, Stampede Tack, Rycor Construction, and of course the NLL Warriors. I just realized, Brad, we did not give a pair of tickets away. Once again, we have to do this quickly on the spot. We mentioned this off the top. No, I'm not going to say that. Let's say if you've made it through this far, uh, congratulations, by the way. Second of all, what career milestone did Logan Shuss pass this past weekend? There you go. How many goals did Logan Shuss achieve? First person to find me in a variety of different ways. Get yourself a pair of Warriors tickets for the big game against Albany on Saturday night. Thanks to Logan Schuss and to Paul Day for coming on the podcast as guests. Thanks to you, the listeners, our sponsors. And that's going to do it. For Evan Sheminar and Brad Schellner, I've been Jake Kelly. And for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.